Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast. As we relaunch after a year hiatus with a new series on agility, our guiding quote for this series is, success today requires the agility and drive to constantly rethink, reinvigorate, react, and reinvent by Bill Gates. All of our guests in this series share inspiring stories of how they have learned to adapt to life changes and be agile in their personal and professional lives. And I know that you will gain insight into yourself as you hear the mission in their messages. Let's get started with our first guest of the relaunch and this series. Laura Gennaro is a wife, mom, learner, and leader who has been in the field of education for 19 years, half of that time in the classroom, with the other half spent serving others through leadership roles. The majority of Laura's work has been with middle school-age students, but she has enjoyed the years with high schoolers too. While her career path has had some unexpected twists, she values every experience. Laura is currently a principal at a large urban middle school in southeast Wisconsin, where she leads over 800 students with a collaborative team of administrators. When not championing a strong school culture, learning about her staff and students' backgrounds and inspiring inspiring others to learn through relationships, Laura enjoys spending time in nature, camping, hiking, boating with her family and friends. She's an avid reader, a podcast listener, sports enthusiast, including the Milwaukee Bucks and Brewers, Green Bay Packers, and of course, a Wisconsin Badger fan, and she is also a runner. In this episode, we discuss Laura's definition of agility as well as her journey into education and administration. She shares her insights on how each shift and reinvent has led her to where she is now, and we hear about resources that help her remain agile and grow her personal and professional leadership acumen. I am deeply inspired by Laura's reflective nature, her ability to process perceived failures, and her courage to try new ways of thinking and leading. I cannot wait for you all to meet my friend, Laura Gennaro, as we hear her agility story. Welcome, my friend, Laura Gennaro, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Oh my goodness. So Laura, I've been wanting to have you on this podcast for years and I can say that now. I can't believe it's been years. (laughs) Um, We had you featured on the Sisterhood series with our wise women, which was fantastic. I am so excited that you are literally helping me relaunch this podcast in a new way with some fresh perspectives. And the fact that you're going to be one of the first voices that listeners hear is just so exciting for me. So I just want to thank you. You rearranged your schedule and you're so busy, but you're really honoring the listeners and the community and myself by taking this space. So I just want to make sure to thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. It's an honor to be here and I think at a really pivotal time in my career. And so it'll be fun to chat. Yay. And as listeners of this podcast, whether you've been here forever or this is your first one, you'll get to know, I always believe that timing is meant for a reason. And so I know that there's going to be a mission in your message today. We have you (laughs) featured on this first ever series in the new season of the NL podcast in agility. And if we could just kind of sit there for a moment, I was 
pretty mindful about the series features that I'm having for the remainder of 2022. And part of that is I just really wanted to be able to highlight stories that I've kind of collected and been putting on the shelf, so to speak, for the last year um, as I've not been publishing and thinking about how in the world can I come back with some uh, margin for myself, but then also to share really targeted stories. And the agility piece I felt like is something we need right now. I think we've needed it always in leadership, but in education, I just kind of feel like that space is where we all need to be. Curious, what do you think agility means in your worlds? Like, why would you want to be on this series? Oh my gosh, because <laughs> I think sometimes when you get into education or people get into education, they think it's going to be a pretty straightforward path. It's pretty progressive. Like I'm going to become a teacher. And then if you decide to get into admin, you move into that role and it's pretty linear. And I will say that might not be the case. And that is completely okay because my path has been quite um, curvy <laughs> and mm. in a really good way. I think sometimes when we're in the middle of it, those curves and turns can throw us for a loop and make us feel like a little um, like discombobulated or off balance. But it's all for a reason. And I truly feel like all of the experiences that I've had in the course of my 19 years in education um, have really helped me develop into the leader I want to be. And I still continue to strive to be. And especially in this role I'm in right now, um, just talking with people in the district and they're like, your experiences are so beneficial for the things and the challenges that you're facing right now. Mm. And so when I think of agility, I think of, you know, being kind of light on your feet, <laughs> being able to kind of shift, um, not completely 180, right, but like shift when needed and support each other. Because especially through the last three years and, and COVID and everything, like the needs that people have, students, staff are just, they're so different than maybe they were, you know, four years ago. <laughs> And so I think if you don't grow and you don't adapt and change, like it's going to be, it'd be really hard to stay in the profession. And I think that's part of probably why people are kind of leaving and, and, and really making those big tough life decisions on if it's the right path for them. See, I knew asking you would give us the answer. <laughs> To what agility. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And and you hit it exactly why I asked you to be featured here, because every time I hear parts of your story and just thinking back through the times when I've been able to kind of have a front row to your shifts and your pivots have been so inspiring for me as a person. And so I know that you have so much to offer. So thank you for kicking us off in a stunning fashion right there. We could just be done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do me a favor. I read your bio at the beginning, um, but just give us a little bit of background on you. Like, you know, for listeners who have never met you before, which seems kind of crazy, but where are you at right now and kind of your full life picture? Absolutely. So right now, I'm currently a principal of a middle school of a very large suburban district um, that has an urban feel at times um, and one of four middle schools. So I'm really excited about that because I have four colleagues to collaborate with on a regular basis, plus all the other people. Um, we have a staff of about 75 and um, I'm new to that position. So started officially in July, but have been working, you know, on and off um, kind of since March, because that's just the way it works <laughs> like, to get my feet on the ground. Um, and that's been a, a long, not a long time coming, but like, I feel like I'm kind of back home. Um, middle school's mm. my jam. I love the kids. I love the staff. Like, it's a unique group, eclectic group of people. And I really am 
like that's where I feel like I really belong and I'm really excited to be there. So like professionally, that's kind of where I am. How I got there um, was a little curvy. Like I said, um, started out actually like way back teaching kids to ride horses when I was like 13. And I did that all the way through up to college. Um, and then I was like, no, but I'm going to be a veterinarian. And then that didn't pan out because I did a couple ride alongs and realized that lifestyle was not something I was interested in. I wanted a family and I wanted a little more stability. So my dad was a teacher um, at MPS for until he retired. So 25 years, 30 years. And um, so I jumped on the education side of things and just fell in love. And the rest is history. So taught for nine years in middle schools, became an administrator. Um, I've had some high school experience. I've had K-8 experience and middle school experience as assistant principal, as principal, uh, curriculum and instruction. And like I said, every twist and curve that came was was definitely at the time maybe stressful and not necessarily, you know, wanted. But after the fact and looking back, like I learned so much and I, I value each experience I had and the people I met and the connections I made um, because they've continued to help support me, you know, through that through that journey. But then as far as like the family side, I, I was able to, to get that all squared away too. I got married to the love of my life. And <laughs> <laughs> we have two beautiful kids. Um, we're kind of, I always say like we're in the thick of it. So we have a middle schooler going into eighth grade, a girl and a, a 16 year old boy going into junior year of high school. So we are definitely um, living busy, <laughs> lots of things to do, but really part of my, I think, like realization over the years too has been the importance of balance and making sure that I'm taking the time to be present with them and be available. Um, even though, and then still do all the things, you know, I need to do at work, but making sure to have those boundaries laid and established because th there were times when work became all consuming. So I think that's another gift that, uh, some of these curves have taught me over the years. Right. Like that perspective piece. I have to step back just a couple steps backward in your path for a moment. I love, I, I have not heard of the story, your origin story with wanting to be a veterinarian. And I think I knew that you had an educator in your history, but that was just so beautiful to hear. And for listeners that are not in Wisconsin, what is MPS? Oh, sorry. Milwaukee Public Schools. So it's our largest school district in the state. And no joke. Like uh, if you live in Wisconsin, you understand that it's the largest also lots of challenge arising. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm just thinking about the potential influence just being in the home of your father who is educating in a, such a large school. That must have just been so interesting. It was. Yeah. MPS is an urban district. Um, he was teaching like, um, we call it like the CTE classes now. So CAD and drawing and yeah, all those kinds of things. And he really loved it. He taught at a couple different high schools and he actually mm. was kind of a leader of the team and in bringing in some innovative um, software that they could use with the students. And so, yeah, it was it was really inspiring to hear um, his stories and like the things, the, the funny things and the, the relationships he had with his students. And, he'd, you know, come home and share funny stories. And just it was a really inspiring situation. And I think I always kind of knew I wanted to be an educator, but you know how that is like with your parents, you're like, well, no, I want to do something more, something bigger. <laughs> so I think that was my initial, you know, like veering off of that path. <laughs> oh, yes. The resistance factor. And of course, you have teenagers <laughs> now that are just right in the thick of that stage, right? Like, yo. Yes. Um, so I've, 
I didn't mean to go this direction, but I want to hang here for just a little bit because as I was listening to you talk about your definition of agility, as well as the path curves that you've taken, I know that you are such a family-oriented person and it's not just your children, it's beyond that too in other branches. And I think that that has to come into play here because one of the things you mentioned was that sometimes we think we just have, you know, like a one path or a linear path in education until you realize that, you know, you're, you're thrust, I believe, into positions that will teach you the lesson you need for whatever's next in your life. Like, I just think we have such a beautiful journey ahead. And sometimes it's hard to see that, but I know that you've made um, shifts based on family. You know, some, sometimes the career choices are not always tied to whether you're happy in a job or not. And I think you've left places that you were super, super happy with. Um, because you had a competing priority. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was a teacher, I was really lucky in the sense of like the positions kind of fell into place. Um, My first experience teaching the six of us that were hired in that teaching class, like still keep in touch. And and it was just a really neat dynamic. Um, When we moved to a different community, um, I was able to get a job that was two miles from my house and super, you know, perfect for the family piece of things. Um, And that job was wonderful. But then I really felt this calling or this push to lead in a more robust capacity. So I was like team lead and I took on all these, you know, district committee opportunities. Like I jumped at every chance to lead in the district. But as a teacher, I just felt like there were things that I could influence that I in a different role, um, more an administrative Mm -hmm. role. So that kind of pushed me to take that leap. And um, those of you out there that are like considering the change or in the thick of the change, like I can't tell you how many interviews I had, how many rejections I got. (laughs) Like it was Mm. a process, but I really felt strongly that that was my direction. Um, And so I ended up taking a position at a middle high school. um, That was just, if you're familiar with Wisconsin and and obviously if you're here, um, you'd remember Act 10 um, happened in a while back in 2010 with our state and how it shifted kind of how unions work. Mm-hmm. And so I came became an administrator in 2012. Um, and so some of those changes were had taken place and kind of were in the process of taking place. And I got thrown into something I was not prepared for in the district that I was in. Um, again, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. I'm so grateful for the connections that I made. I still keep in touch with some of the people I worked with there. Um, you know, I've recommended them for, for you know movement as they've continued their career, but just the fit in that situation wasn't great, and I knew that. And so, in speaking, you know, with my husband and stuff about that, we really, really like look deep at what what we needed at the time. And I was uh, uh, provided an opportunity to move our family not too far away. It was an hour and 10 minutes. So from our, like where the core of our family is, and we took that leap and it was just a crazy transition. So if you can imagine we, so I got the offer in June, we put our house up for sale in July. We got we didn't have some like interest right away, but then we did get an offer. And so we were okay there. Didn't have a house to move into, but I knew the kids needed to start in this new district in September. So we lived in a hotel for a week. Um, our situation with our home, like the, the person who put the offer in, there was some issues or whatever. It was just taking a lot longer than expected. We put an offer in on another home, but we had to wait, you know, cause it was contingent on our sale. 
Um, so we ended up moving in with my secretary, who is amazing, <laughs> for three weeks. Then we rented like a VRBO kind of thing for a month. Um, and then back with my secretary for a week until we moved into our house in November <laughs> in this town. <laughs> so it was like the craziness of the crazy. And my kids at the time were kindergarten age and third grade. Mm. So they were troopers, like they were great. They went with the flow. It was an adventure. We kept saying that, like, this is an adventure. And so then we got settled in the house and lived there um, for three years. And I absolutely loved it. It was a space that I grew. I was supported. Um, I had fabulous relationships with the administrative team. It was a smaller district. Um, My teaching team was incredible. And I'd really been set up for success because the current superintendent had been the principal in the building. And he was a huge relationship builder. Um, and his mantra I continue with today, like, if we take care of the people, they'll take care of the work. And I truly, truly believe that. Had I been able to stay, I probably would still be there. Um, but we were we were dealing with some things. So my father had passed away a few years back, and my mom was living alone. And she had fallen when she was gardening one day and didn't call me until the next day and like needed to be taken in because there was something going on with her arm. And I just was like, wow. So she's trying not to inconvenience us in a time when she needed us, when I would have dropped everything Mm -hmm. to come. But like, I don't want my family to feel like that. And then um, my father-in-law was suffering from congestive heart failure. So we also knew there was going to be some limited time there. So we made the tough decision in January, December, January as a family that we were going to move back, uh, regardless of you know, our happiness and, and how we were all thriving where we were, um, because we wanted to be there and have that time with them because it was just too hard for them to be driving all that way as both the sets of grandparents were older. So, yeah, so we made the shift and then that caused a whole nother series of, of pivots, I think, because I took a position that I was super excited about and probably didn't do enough research on in the district that just wasn't aligned to my values as much as I thought it was. So that was short-lived um, and so needed to make a change and, you know, just pounded the pavement on the whole applying and looking for something new. And that's when I shifted into curriculum and instruction um, with a strong emphasis in coaching. And I will say, although that position and that district wasn't a great fit for the long haul for me, it was phenomenal for the two years that I was there. I truly was able to hone my skills as a coach and really see the like a different side of how you can support people, not just supervising and evaluating, um, but in a really truly like, mm. we're going to do this together. What do you need from me? We can co-teach all the different things and I've really built up some skills there. And, and now I'm, you know, blessed to be in the position that I'm in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a few curvy, curvy little turns there. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think that I kind of came we kind of came together uh, maybe in that just prior to that move for you, like when Mm -hmm. you were moving to be closer to family. And I remember thinking how hard that would be and what a powerful decision that many of us don't take. Um, Any regrets? I mean, you're still close. Uh, Just share us an update because you're thinking about your mom and in-laws and and how did that pan out for you personally? So personally, it was the best decision for us. Um, I can't down like I can't, we can't complain. Um, I think there's parts of what we had back in Milton that we really miss. Um, Things kind of shifted in the district too. So that superintendent ended up leaving a couple years after I left. Um, And there were some changes. So like part of me is like, yeah, that would have changed anyway. And maybe 
I wouldn't have been as happy <laughs> with it. I mean, who knows, right? Mm -hmm. it's, um, but that piece of it, my father-in-law ended up passing away two years after we moved back. So that was a hundred percent like the right call um, because we did have that time and the kids, you know, have those good memories and I think that's so important. He was able to come to all of my son's basketball games. Like he just loved that. So, you know, and that was only mm -hmm. 10 minutes from his house instead of them having to trek out, you know, over an hour and probably decide not to come sometimes if weather wasn't good or whatever. So yeah, personally, it was the best decision we could have made. We've really reconnected with some cousins and things too throughout the course of, you know, unfortunately funerals bring people together. <laughs> so like, mm, right. you know, <laughs> so it's good that we've been here and we've been able to support one another and, um, and it's just kind of brought our family uh, closer together. It's one of the things that I've noticed about you though, is that um, tying it back to this agility is that you're always willing to do the shift that needs to happen. Uh, and I would imagine, so that's personally, and then I imagine that that just really informs your leadership as well. Um, because mm -hmm. I know that you also, we don't have to get too personal, but I know, I mean, there's been some educational pieces with your own kids that you've, you know, had to maneuver and work through. And it sounds like you do that in a very collaborative way in your family structure. Um, so just that willingness and openness to grow that I've heard you say doesn't just exist in your position as a leader, but it's all throughout your full life. I've seen that. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, it's definitely, a, it kind of comes together and is intertwined. Like you can, I feel like, I don't know, I used to try and separate everything, and it's just kind of, it's mm -hmm. not, it's not beneficial. Like I want to learn from each part and then pull that together and be the best mom I can be and the best leader I can be. And, you know, and I think that all, all your experiences in your life situations kind of bring and make you become what you are and you can't like compartmentalize. <laughs> Well, it'd be so easy too, right? Yeah. <laughs> so many people do even <laughs> listening. I'm sure some are just, just deeply inspired by listening to how you're managing it. And so when I think about all those shifts too, when we talked about growth, can I ask if you've thought about what are some ways that you've been able to make all these shifts? Because it's not easy going into new roles, new communities, challenges that we may not even get to associated with, you know, when you say it's not a good fit, we know that that's code for it was rough. Like there's some things that <laughs> when you're leading out of your values um, to try to align with an organization, it's really, really hard. And um, so I'm just curious, what have you done to kind of support your strength to be agile the way you have? I think it really, it comes down to relationships are really the key though, to any kind of transition. And personally for me, um, for success, I think surrounding yourself by people who have strengths maybe that are different than yours, but that work in, in unison, right. And really come together in a great way is really important. Um, finding out what people's passions are and what they care about, and then making sure that we acknowledge that I think is really important. I guess some places I've been, they've really wanted to shift the feeling of the school to be very business-like. Mm. And I don't understand that because we are not working with widgets. We're working with little human beings who are every shade of gray. Like there is no black and white. And so I guess part of that whole, like you're saying, like not fit is that living out of my values in the sense of like, it, it isn't black and white though. We can have things in place that help us and we can inform our decisions that are somewhat black and white, but every situation has nuances that maybe everyone, maybe not everyone knows. And we need to take those things into consideration. So, and when we're talking students or when we're talking teachers, 
you know, every behavior, there's a reason for it, right? A behavior is, mm-hmm. is sharing something. And I think when you look at, at people and you look at say like, oh, they have a story, like, let's try mm-hmm. and understand that story first and then figure out how we can best support them through whatever it is um, and help them grow. I think that has been like the, the best thing that I've learned in the, in some of these situations that I've been in, because even if my values didn't align to the organization, I was able to live my values in the interactions I had with each person and in the relationships that I built with them. And every word that you're saying, I was almost flashing back in my mind to stories that I've heard inside our connection um, and thinking about the challenges that you led through. And I'm just so inspired by you because exactly what you're saying is what you've walked out. And throughout all of those different shifts and um, processing that you do is so, so powerful. And I've just noticed that you are a really, you're guided by an internal purpose that I think we can, like the daily grind hits us all, but I don't think that you've ever wavered. Um, You know, when I hear you and the different challenges that you've had over time, supporting teachers, supporting students, um, you know, trying to lead through larger organizations that maybe have a hard time moving versus smaller that, you know, same (laughs) for different reasons. Mm -hmm. You've always wanted to do what's best for kids. And I just feel like you're in a position right now that is going to be so beautiful to be able to influence and take everything that you've got. But I know for a fact, just knowing you, that what you're saying is what you do. It's just how you exist. Thanks, Sarah. I think it's a work in progress because I will say being, mm-hmm. you know, reflecting on different things and the, the experiences in the past, like I've definitely learned from those times where I did misstep. I use that as a learning opportunity because, yeah, no, I appreciate <laughs> It seems like mm-hmm. I've always been that way. I'm, and I hope I have, but I know, definitely know there are times when I've misstepped and then it, it was a true, like looking back and seeing, you know, how to not replicate that again. <laughs> well, and isn't that the beautiful part of what you're saying? And is that, yeah, I, I, we all fail. We all, like you said, misstep, but it's the processing of those that has always mm-hmm. inspired me, you know, your ability to see that and to shift instead of just hitting it on the shame center and sitting in it, right? Like, it seems to me like you've always tried to figure out how to do better. And that's just really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. I know that you're a fan. You lean into some resources. So I always want the listeners to try to pull something because obviously you didn't just come to all of this (laughs) great agility work without (laughs) something. So I know you are a fan um, of several different professional development, um, either organizations or authors or, you know, personal development, what are the things that you've leaned into, you know, to help you kind of grow yourself along the way? Absolutely. So I think probably the most powerful author and person that I've really, um, looked to for guidance has been Brene Brown. Um, I think coming into administration and then some of the changes that had happened, I would just dig into her, you know, some of her books and Daring to Lead is, you know, the most recent, but going back to some of those past ones and just really looking at how to come out of the fire, mm. you know, how to work through these challenges. And um, she's just so inspiring with her research. So I, I truly feel like she's been very influential um, to the point where like, it's a little hard right now because they're not releasing any podcasts. So mm. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like <laughs> she's always been my go-to um, with both of her dare to lead and um, the, the other one that I just love so much. So 
yeah, she's been a huge influence. I will say our state organization too has been super supportive um, through all my transitions and really provided me some connections that have helped in mentoring and just kind of keeping me focused on like the goal ahead and not getting stuck in those shame ruts of mm-hmm. when you think you're not enough and trying to move to, you know, something different. Um, so I definitely have to, to give a shout out to Joe Schroeder. I can't imagine where I'd be without him right now um, because he's just been so positive, so calm, so um, voice of reason for me um, in the past, you know, eight to 10 years that I just am so grateful for that connection and that um relationship that we have. And then um, with Tammy Gibbons and her work with the coaching, she's just really opened my eyes to things that, you know, could have been blind spots in the past and, and truly shed some light on where things can be better as far as how I communicate and how I coach other people up. Um, And so the, again, the two of them are just, they've been, they've been incredible over the last few years. Um, Obviously, my PLN, my wise women are the ones that mm. help me on the day to day and and allow me to vent. And I'm just so grateful for that network that we've created. Um, and everyone is probably in a different I mean, pretty much everyone is in a very different place than when we started four or five years ago, which is so crazy. Like now we have someone who's a superintendent and someone who's retired. And I just love to see where our paths go and how we're still able to support one another you know, through those changes. And and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, me too. It it normalizes that agility for all of us too. Like we can harness these pieces of your story and and see how that they fit ours too. And that that is what we're supposed to do. Um, I wanted to say, I felt like I was leading the witness because I love how in tune you are with Brene Brown's work. And it's helped me to process in different ways to hear you, you know, speak about what thing, what impacts you. And um, same, I just love how you're always willing to share a resource with people to say, I know this would help you. So just consider that. Um, and I'm so glad too. So the organization is awesome. And I will link them. For those of you that are in Wisconsin, um, if you are either an aspiring leader or you are currently and you're not connected with ASA and Joe, Tammy, um, the team there, Jim, then that would be something to definitely do for yourselves. We'll make sure to link all of that. Um, and I wanted to just shift us because I have these two questions that I need to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're going to end us really, really well. I wish I could talk to you forever. <laughs> Are you ready for those? I think so. All right, let's go. So the first one is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? So I would go back and I think I'd even go back like to high school and just let, remind myself that it's all about the people and the relationships that you have. I felt like in when I was that age, I didn't necessarily value maybe some of my peer friendships. And then on the same side, like on, a, on the opposite side, I guess, um, I didn't always value like my teacher relationships. People who were so influential into who I am and really inspired me to even get into education in, in the way that they taught and the way that they connected with us. I wish I would have had more foresight back then to to let them know how much I appreciated what they did and stay connected with them. I have mm. friends that, you know, were mature, I guess, is that the word back then? Um, and that did that. And I'm like, oh, I, you know, because I really, I must feel bad. Like, I don't know if they realized how much of an impact they had. And, you know, now it's so far, it's hard to find people sometimes. So that's one thing. Um, and I think the peer friendship piece too, like, it's important to fight 
to maintain relationships that you value. And I think sometimes, and I see it now very much, like people walk away. So instead of like having that hard conversation and really valuing that friendship and then growing as a friend, like having those conversations, people are just like, it's not worth it. It's too uncomfortable. And I'm just going to walk away. And I think we really miss out on opportunities. And I just think back to, you know, my high school, even college, like there were relationships that I wish I would have fought a little harder for and tried to maintain um, because, yeah, I just, I didn't have that insight. Now I truly, truly value it. And I think in the positions I've moved to, like having people in each place that I'm still connected to is, has been just such a blessing. I love how your answer kind of highlights exactly what you were <laughs> talking about is that uh, piece that you <laughs> wish you would have done differently and now you do. And I think that kind of hooking back mm-hmm. into your teachers and all of that really is beautiful because I'm sure that it informs how you focus on relationships, both from the teacher and the student perspective now where you're at. I think that's kind of a beautiful highlight of what you've talked about mm-hmm. in this interview. Oh, thanks. All right. So how about this one? If someone is finding themselves in a pit of fear or doubt and they need to hear Laura Gennaro's voice to help them rise up out of it, what would you say? So challenges are part of life. We need to embrace those challenges. And I'm going to take some some verbiage from John Gordon, who's another inspirational leader that I look up to, you know, show up, do the work, connect with colleagues, build a support network and learn everything you can from that situation because you don't know what experiences you have, if those will be just what you need for the next step or the next encounter or the next conversation. So just being present, you know, just don't get, don't get frustrated. Don't get caught up in the gossipy, like don't get caught up in the negativity, like just stay true to your values do the work, show up and good things will happen. It just might not be on your timeline. (laughs) It might be on some bigger plan. (laughs) That's so beautiful. And as you were talking, I'm thinking I needed, I just need to hear that every now and then too. I think we need to all keep one another in that realm of not toxic positivity, but unwavering faith that we're there for a reason. We can learn the lesson. We can also influence around us and we have to do that mindfully. And I heading back into my second year, um, in a position in a school, I need that from you. So thank you. That, that hit me right where I needed it. (laughs) You're very welcome. All right. Well, my dear friend, I would like to ask if the listeners would like to get a hold of you after this interview, what is the best way that you would recommend for them to connect with you? That's a good question. So I guess Facebook has kind of turned into a little more professional PLN for me than it had in the past. Um, So I think that's a good way. And it's just Laura um, Anderson Gennaro on there. Um, and then Twitter is a great way because that's very much only professional for me. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's just Laura underscore uh, Gennaro on Twitter. And that's probably the two best ways. Um, but I, yeah, email and I'm, I would love to connect with people and, and just talk through if there's anything that is challenging. Like I haven't lived at all, but you know, I have some experience. So if I can help at all, yeah, like, just a little. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I will link how to connect with Laura in the show notes, my friends, and we'll end here. Laura, thank you so much for your time. I know that you are at a really frenetic pace right now with a new year kicking up, new role. Those students and staff and the community are so fortunate to have you. And we were so fortunate to have you be our kickoff <laughs> guest on the new season of the in our podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was completely my honor. I really appreciate you thinking of me and this was just absolutely wonderful. So thank you. 
I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. We will see you on the next episode.